Hi everybody, it's Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. Hope you're doing well. Back with a good friend, Charles C. Johnson. I would say an investigative journalist, but part of me wants to say the investigative journalist. He's an author and the founder of both Got News and We Searcher, and you want to check out his work, please, please go. Subscribe, get his work at gotnews.com and wesearcher.com. Charles, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. I think in the future, people will look back at this time in history and say, never has democracy been so important and so insanely entertaining at the same time. You know, normally when it's really important, it's because it's just god-awful. And normally when it's really entertaining, it's because we have these two things together, that this election is the greatest election in the history of the world, in my opinion. And I know that your site have done, has done a lot of work on uh, what's going on with uh, this uh, Alicia Machado. Machado. And mm-hmm. I wonder if you can give people the backstory. Why do we even know this lady's name? Sure. So she's a, uh, a former Miss Universe from, I believe, 1997. She's uh, Venezuelan-born. And she um, had a problem uh, after she won the Miss Universe crown of basically getting too fat too quickly. Um, one of the contracts in the Miss Universe, you know, part of the contract is that you have to basically maintain your image. And she plumped up. She went from, I think, like 108 pounds. There are some reports size 118 pounds all the way up to 170 pounds, 78 at the final end. And so this was a major embarrassment, particularly in Venezuela, where they were very pissed off at their you know, native daughter getting really, really fat. And so the problem was a lot of people were canceling their endorsements of her, particularly in Venezuela. And so she had to lose the weight. And so Trump, because this had become a whole scandal and story unto itself, Trump organized a press conference where she would be seen working out in a gym. And, you know, there's some reports at the time of various trainers and others saying she ate only ice cream, that she was so happy she won the crown. She basically went out and partied. And frankly, like, I can kind of understand, like, I'm, you know, I, I would never meet, begrudge somebody their meals, you know, but I'm also not a beauty, you know, pageant. Like, I'm, I'm more on the fatter side of life, happily so. Um, but so it's not a judgment on her. But the reason this is coming up now is that the Democrats, uh, have this problem. They need to get Latinos and they need to get single women voters to show up to the polls. And so the thing to understand about all of these sort of contrived instances, the Judge Curiel one, the, the Kaiser Khan one, the um, and of course this one, uh, Alicia Machado, is that these are all very orchestrated PR campaigns. So they often retain PR consultants. Um, they often, uh, yeah, I think there's one, uh, this Anderson group that they're doing here. And so the purpose of this is to basically use this person as a tool against your opponent. And to a certain extent, the right does it too, like with one, you know, with Juanita Broderick, who is a rape victim, uh, or alleged rape victim by Bill Clinton. And so there, you know, there's, there's this sort of tit for tat, you know, zero sum tribal warfare that occurs through the internet. And Alicia Machado is brought into this. And, but the, as we can go into in a second, they did not vet her. Um, there's a lot, a lot of stuff in this woman's past that, um, that is really, really disturbing and controversial and nutty. Um, and now, just before we get to that, of course, yeah. the reason Donald Trump is involved, for those who don't know, uh, I'm sure most people do, is that he was he owned the um, Miss Universe pageant uh, at that time. My understanding is there's some conflicting information, Charles, but my understanding is that there are also contractual obligations to to not gain a huge amount of weight. I mean, 
millions and millions of dollars are riding on the appearance, of course, of the um, the winner. And, you know, in Baywatch, you had to stay within five pounds of the weight that you started with or you, would, you, you could be fired. So there was money involved. There were contracts involved that may have specified staying within a certain weight. He may well have been within his right to simply terminate her contract and fire her, but he chose not to do that. He chose to have a sort of redemption story, get a trainer in. And there's quite a charming video, which we can link to below, where he has a press conference. He's kind of making fun of his own weight and his own desire to eat. And he's making fun of some reporters. And, you know, she seems very enthusiastic to, to have this redemption story lose the weight, which, of course, is good publicity. And, and people like those kinds of stories in America anyway. Right. And it's also very difficult. You know, you have to keep in mind that when she's doing all the preparation to become Miss Universe, she's a skinny sort of lat- Latina woman. And a lot of women, particularly Latin women, unfortunately, plump up right around the time that she won her crown. And that's a very difficult thing to kind of deal with or talk about. Um, And what's interesting, though, is so Trump actually, we see this in the press reports. We've reported this at Got News. He actually said he didn't really have a problem with her gaining all this weight, that the issue became an issue when the sponsors started exiting, including one from Kellogg USA. Um, uh, She she was going to be on some breakfast cereals in uh, Latin in Latin America and Venezuela in particular, and so she started getting fatter and fatter, and so this became a big issue of her on the cover of all these cereal boxes. And so what ended up happening, and there was a leadership at the time was run by this guy Carlos Gutierrez, who went on to become uh, Je- or to become uh, George W. Bush's um, uh, Secretary of Commerce. He was involved in the decision making, and he's since endorsed Hillary Clinton. So the only person who's really harmed this woman financially um, was, of course, a, uh, a Cl- you know, Clinton supporter, um, or at least he was a part of the, de- the leadership of the company that made the decision. So, no, no, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So what's interesting here, just from a, from a perspective here, is we know – so those of us who followed Donald Trump's you know, illustrious career, and frankly, like I, I have been a fan of his in the reality TV show you know, business – I mean, he's had many different sort of careers. And so I've followed his beauty pageant stuff for quite some time. Several years back, you might recall Miss California, who got in trouble. This woman, uh, Carrie Prejean, who had all these videos of herself being, you know, being naked and um, enjoying her body. And she was, uh, she was set up and attacked over the question of um, Proposition 8 and gay marriage in California. And there was an attack on her. This is like a 2008. And um, there are a lot of people who wanted to take her crown. And Donald Trump, um, you know, could have every right to terminate her over the morality clause of her of her contract, um, but he chose not to. And so, in almost every opportunity that he has had in the past to fire somebody for violating their contract, particularly when the person is a celebrity, he's gone well out of his way to actually help them better themselves. This includes Mike Tyson, who he supported in a very controversial rape case. I mean, there are many examples of this, some of which are public and some of which uh, are private. Um, But um, any celebrity that you talk to who's known Donald Trump a long time, they tend to be supporters of his, particularly those who are in the beauty pageant industry. Now, going from, I guess, least horrendous to most horrendous, when we're saving the best to last like any good uh, soap opera. But um, one of the things, I think it was in a Hillary Clinton commercial, that uh, uh, this woman, Alicia, was talking about how Donald Trump's fat shaming and and how horrible he was to her, uh, calling her Miss Piggy. And and there's no evidence of any of this other than her word, which we can get around to questioning in a few (laughs) minutes. But uh, she said that this brought along uh, eating disorders and, and bulimia and, and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, and But I guess fortunately for reality, uh, unfortunately for the Clinton campaign, 
um, video has arisen where she was talking about before she even won the pageant uh, uh, that she was talking about her eating disorders and, and bulimia and uh, the, the constant struggle to stay as thin as you need to stay for these kinds of winners so uh, it doesn't seem of course that the causality has anything to do with Donald Trump's statements no that's right and and you know we see we've seen this uh, in newspaper clippings at the time I mean Everyone has Google. You know, a lot of people have LexisNexis. You can go and look for this stuff for yourself. I mean, it's easy enough to spell her name. Um, and so, yeah, there's 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 a major problem here where you know we are supposed to just believe immediately believe the testimony of a of a woman um, who had, there's a lot of questions about her credibility. Um, and you know, we we can kind of you know, I suppose we should just go into it now if you want. Let's but, do um, it. The the short version is um, Alicia Muchado's uh, you know, ex boyfriend um, is a um, is a Mexican drug kingpin who is currently serving time in a in a federal penitentiary in Mexico. There was a two million dollar bounty on his head, uh, and there was there's been a lot a lot of conversation about. And about whether or not this is true or not, she claimed there was another father. But we went and we ended up, um, we we went and we ended up getting the uh, one of the certificates of domicile for her daughter, who, by the way, was born in the United States, so is a U.S. citizen, even though um, there's all sorts of character issues with uh, Alicia Machado, not least of which is cheating on her ex fiance, um, her ex fiance who was a professional baseball player with somebody on a Spanish reality TV show which has been videotaped that's that I think is the porn video that Donald Trump is referring to in fact it was referred to as a porn video in various uh, Spanish language press you know, some of the translations are a bit off uh, but uh, but that's what he's referring to he's not referring to all of the videos that have been placed online by various trolls of various Actresses who look an awful lot like Alicia Machado, but that that that's what he's referring to. At least that's, that's as I understand it. And then um, the big the big sort of takeaway here is the collusion with the Clinton campaign that Cosmopolitan had, that a number of these other media properties had, where they init- they they were just ready to go, and they had this whole story of Alicia Machado, and she she became a U.S. citizen very quickly. Um, uh, in a very expedited process, which is in and of itself worthy of scrutiny. Um, you're not supposed to become a U.S. citizen if you're involved with narcos, um, just on a typical, you know, word to the wise. Um, and and you're not um, you're not also supposed to um, become a U.S. citizen in the speed with which she became one. And so we've gone through all of the different like legal and ethical problems at Got News. I invite people to go through them for themselves, but. Uh, the, the the gist the gist of it is we have a situation here, and I, I we've sent reporters their front you know a lot of reporters you know steal our stuff at God News all the time, and then call me and I help them with their stories because like I want to make the world a better place and it'd be great if they be great if they cited me but uh, you know it's not a very ethical industry and so um and so there are reporters uh, I believe from the Daily Mail who are down in Venezuela who are interviewing friends of um of Alicia Machado, who, ins- who insists that she was also connected to drug dealers down there, which is actually not an uncommon thing. Many of um, many of the cartels in the past have actually owned beauty pageants themselves. Um, so it's a, it's part of the culture there, if you will. Um, 
And so she's being used right now as a weapon. Um, the New York Times wrote a story very quickly called the Alicia Muchado effect, where they were supposedly looking at Google in Hispanic areas for people who were typing in register to vote. And so the, the play here is to drum up the Hispanic vote and the single women vote. Um, the single women, just so, so your viewers know, uh, the, the fa- two fastest growing demographics in the United States right now in terms of voter outreach are the Republican exurbans. So those are the mostly white people who moved to the exurbs. These are the telecommuters. These are the people who, you know, who um, go into the office maybe once or twice a week who live out in the sort of lily white areas. Um, and that group is growing at a faster clip than the single women um, who are in the cities. They're largely educated, perhaps overeducated. And then the third group is, is uh, sort of the immigrant group. Um, and that, that can be broken down further, but the Democrats need both the single women and the, and the, um, the single women and the Hispanics fired up about this election. So in a way, this, the use of Alicia Machado at this stage, who's been coached for months, I mean, all there's all sorts of evidence about that. Um, in a way, this is a, a tell that Trump is actually doing quite well, because this is something that you don't really, this is supposedly an October surprise, and it didn't really kind of work. So we'll get to even the, the Docker post in a sec. But the, the big picture thing, as far as I can see it, Charles, is that, um, yeah, they need to shore up the uh, Latina vote, the single woman vote. So having a mean guy tell a beauty queen that she's fat uh, is, is a way of, I guess, bringing a kind of Ferguson-style mini outrage into the hearts of, of women and maybe of Latinas. And of course, you know, I mean, there are a lot of uh, overweight people in America, and maybe this, the you're fat, brings some sort of response or reaction that's negative towards uh, Donald Trump. But yeah, she's kicking around uh, in the country in America for 20 years. Her English seems somewhat spotty. She seems to get significantly expedited uh, citizenship, uh, and uh, she's sort of waving it around. And uh, she is is uh, part of a, a strategy. Given how unstable she seems to be, it seems like it's a pretty cruel trick to play on her, knowing that all of this stuff is going to come out. You know, uh, the stuff which we can talk about now going even back into the 90s, some of the really dark stuff that she seems to have been associated with. Right. I mean, this is a this is a kind of a tragic story. Um, and this tends to happen in every election. You know, there's a Joe the Plumber moment, right? Or Sandra Fluck, if we remember from the, you know, who wants to subsidize birth control in 2012. So, but I've never seen a situation where a woman who's, who is admitted to being mentally ill. I mean, she has said this. I mean, people can, you know, you can see, see some of the stuff in Spanish language stuff where she sort of admits that she's her own worst enemy. And then to take this person, wrap her, literally wrap her in the American flag, as they did for the Cosmopolitan shoot, and make her the poster girl of the Clinton campaign's outreach to Latinos. Well, first of all, I mean, it's just kind of insulting to Latinos. Um, but it's also like really it seems wrong to take advantage of somebody who has mental health issues and who has, I mean, you know, we didn't even get into this. I mean, she's, she was the getaway driver for a, uh, you know, for a sort of, you know, Attempted assassination. She she she's admitted she's sort of no saint girl. I mean that's what she she said. She doesn't. By the way, despite being in the United States for essentially twenty years, she she barely speaks English, so she's not really the poster child for assimilation. And she's um, you know, she's gotten into all kinds of trouble throughout her life, and things that would have seen others deported in the past. Uh, and so this is this is a really disturbing thing. And now from from. You know, our perspective, this is actually a very much a point in Trump's favor because Trump was very, you know, Trump's made immigration the signature point of this campaign. 
He's made seizing the assets of narcos. He even said this. He says he's going to seize the, their assets to help pay for the wall. Now, you know, if my, you know, baby, you know, baby daddy or your baby mama was, you know, was going to be affected materially by the seizing of, you know, seizing of their assets and the building of a wall with those assets, you, you might be on the other side of that issue politically. So there's an obvious conflict of interest here. And the thing that's disturbing the most about this is just how quick the media was to just run with the run with the Clinton talking points. But that's been sort of the feature of this campaign, which is ultimately why people are going to places like God News and WeSearcher and, you know, your show, of course. Okay, so one of the big takeaways from, from this for me is the question of vetting. Uh, vetting uh, whether whether American whether the American government can choose really great people who come into the country whether they have a good track record of this kind of stuff. Of course, Clinton's plan to I don't know you could say essentially dissolve borders and bring in five hundred and fifty percent more Syrian refugees and so on. All of which is contingent upon having a decent vetting process. And I don't think there's any sane person in the world if there's not a decent vetting process who would rec recommend sort of opening borders. And so. If she can't vet the poster child of her fundamental attack upon Donald Trump, if and this is not tough vetting. This is not people who've shown up with no papers and you, you can't figure out even who they are. This is a simple Google search. You don't even have to have the LexisNexis, although it doesn't hurt, although it makes your hair stand on end. <laughs> so the fact that, that she can't, that the campaign as a whole can't even vet someone that they're putting forward as a poster child as to why she should be, she should be elected... Is it just me, Charles, or just this undermine the whole credibility of, oh, yeah, no, we'll be great at figuring out who should come into the country. Don't worry about a thing. No, I mean, this is the thing that a lot of people are not comfortable yet having a discussion about, this whole idea of extreme vetting. Um, you know, the problem is that certain racial groups and ethnic groups have certain characteristics, uh, some of which are IQ, which you've gone on to on at length on this show, very uh, – I, I highly recommend your your IQ series uh, to anyone. You'll never um, be the same. <laughs> you'll, never you'll never be the you'll same. I know I wasn't. The same way after you watch watch that series, but um, the the basic problem here is that one person's vetting or background check to some people it doesn't matter. So you know there are people out there who are defending her, saying you know we all have complicated pasts. It's like no, no, I, I was not involved in an attempted assassination plot. And, and, sorry, just so, we, just so we don't forget it, I'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought, but wasn't there talk of her also threatening a judge? Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, so I had, I had forgotten that one. Yes. So, so there was a Venezuelan judge that, uh, that she said that she knew the president, um, you know, she knew the president. They met with the judge. The judge met with her and there was a two hour conversation. The judge, by the way, no one has been able to track down the judge, which is in and of itself kind of a tell. And she essentially threatened a judge uh, inv involved in one of the various you know, plots that she's she's accused of being involved in. And so there are all these people who are transferring. They're you know they're mistaking the American system for themselves, and they're saying, um, or for that you know for for the rest of the world, and they're saying, oh well, she wasn't charged. It's like, do you not know how it goes down in a lot of these Latin American countries? I mean, go and watch Narcos on Netflix. Like, go, you know, download, you know, watch the two seasons. No, these are situations where people intimidate judges all the time. And she was involved in that plot. And, you know, there was a two-hour off-the-record conversation. The judge, uh, we know, was fearful. And the whole thing just sort of disappeared and never, never went further. Um, and she name-checked the president uh, at the time. The president was was alleged to have narco ties, um, and she 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 name-checked him in as she was threatening the judge. So 
you know, it speaks for itself. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, so, so the vetting question, you were saying it matters to some people and not to other before I completely derailed your, your train yes, of thought. Yes, so I mean, the problem of extreme vetting is we all have different ca- characteristics of what we want in people who come into this country, just like we do when we have people who come into our home. And so the issue is these, these questions inherently become political. And the problem is the Democrats have imported so many people into this country, many of whom see no problem with the drug trade, see no problem. There are lots of people who want to legalize drugs. Um, and there, you know, there are reasonable cases for and against you know, legalizing drugs of one form or fashion. But um, it may be that these bad people go into the drug trade because the margins are so high, because um, criminal elements almost always go into high margin businesses, um, just because you know, they don't want to make an honest buck. Um, and who could blame them? Uh, if you could, you know, if if you could get away with it um, in lawless societies where you can control the government, what's most surprising to me about this, though, is this comes on the heels of like the of of the a lot of the stories that have come out about Clinton corruption. This comes out, I mean, c- the corruption and the brand of Hillary Clinton are are virtually synonymous at this stage. You've got Haiti efforts that Bill Clinton was associated with, essentially built no houses that had lots of money flowing through. I mean, there's the Clinton Cash documentary, which some people have, have you know have seen or you know dealt with. But this is another example of corruption, and you have this mentally unstable woman who is being sort of taken advantage of, and it's all a very cynical game where it's not about convincing anyone of reason, evidence, or uh, or argumentation, but it's about basically using tribal warfare through the media and through technology to fire up a bunch of people, to make them afraid about Donald Trump, to basically make him into this boorish person. And, you know, the empirical evidence is pretty clear. I mean, he's hired lots of women. He's, uh, he's a lot of female executives in his company. You know, his, uh, his daughter wrote something for the Wall Street Journal, the you know, editorial page about how he wants to have subsidies for motherhood, which, was, which is a controversial policy among libertarians. So, Trump, you know, Trump has... Um, Trump has involved women in his campaign at the highest levels. Uh, his campaign manager is a woman. So there's like this is basically a way of attacking Trump in front of an audience of millions of people. And of course, it's interesting, you know, it was done as sort of a dog whistle to a lot of the Latino market. Um, and you can actually see some of the translations that were done where he was, she was basically setting it up, came at the tail end of the debate. It was sort of surprised on Trump. Now, I think Trump will reciprocate, and I've heard that, you know, I've heard, and we're going to, we're helping people, we're helping to make this happen at WeSearcher, where we're, we're crowdfunding, bringing Juanita Broderick and Kathy Shelton to the debates. Um, so that for those who don't know, Juanita Broderick was allegedly raped by Bill Clinton. There are lots of people who found her reports credible. Uh, I find them credible. And we're going to be bringing her to the second debate. Um, and we're probably also going to be bringing Kathy Shelton. We talked to both of their handlers uh, to the third debate just so people can be confronted. And Kathy Shelton, for those who don't know, was a 12-year-old girl who was raped um, by a client that Hillary Clinton defended. Um, and Clinton later laughed about how she essentially got off this uh, this rapist of a 12-year-old, which is pretty sick stuff. Um I think he did like under a year. So, so there's, you know, there's going to be retaliation, whether it's done by the Trump campaign or done independently by people, you know, working with me and with Pax Dickinson and others, you know, um, we'll see, but this is, uh, this sort of tit for tat kind of game is, is, um, is sort of just the nature of the politics in the modern age where you, 
you know, you're trying to, it's like, a, it's like a giant, um, blocking and tackling. It's the football analogies come to mind. It also, it's like a, it's more of a chess game, a sort of 3d chess game. And, uh, there, there are elements of it that feel very reality TV like <laughs> too, to be honest, you know, the fact that both of these people, you know, Donald Trump and uh, Alicia Machado are reality TV stars, um, is something that is important. Uh, you know, the, the line between reality and and fiction is getting awfully blurred in this election. And this, I think, is is really fascinating. And I'm glad you brought up the sort of tribal uh, warfare, because the way it looks to me, um, let me know what, what you think, Charles, but the way it looks to me is Hillary Clinton's campaign has obviously fixed on this Alicia woman and said, we like her, we want to defend her, she's great, she's a citizen, she belongs here, we want more like her. Right, and we, we're going to defend right. her against evil Donald Trump, and she's our girl. You know, we we I stand with her, I'm behind her one hundred percent. Right, that's right. And no one, no one's even focusing on like it's kind of irresponsible to do this. Like when you're a single mother, first of all, like to be go out on this like massive campaign. Um, you know, she's not married; she's thirty thirty nine years old, thirty eight nine years old, and she's um, you know she's she. You know, she's posed for all these magazines nude. Now, I've got, I'm not a sort of prude on this stuff, but, uh, you know, after all, Melania Trump has posed nude. But, you know, Melania did it, um, you know, as she was starting her modeling career as a young woman, um, you know, a very young woman. You know, she's done this well into her 30s uh, while she's had a child. And so this idea of like that she is a poster child for women and for immigration is extremely disturbing. To put it, to put yeah, it, um, they, they put say we, we like her, we want more like her. And then as the past gets dug up and you hear allegations that she's involved in driving someone away from an attempted assassination, you hear allegations about threatening uh, a judge. Uh, and then you hear allegations that she had an anchor baby for a drug kingpin. And, and uh, you know, who it's knows as the truth comes out what goes forward. But if they're like, she's our gal, we want more like her. I think a lot of people, maybe the people out there who have uh, fled uh, the inner cities to to go to uh, uh, areas uh, outside the cities, I think are looking at that and saying, dear God, alive. You've got to be kidding me. The optics of that, maybe from within the community, it looks fine. But the optics from outside that Democrat biodome, like, hey, let's get more of these people. So yeah, it's disturbing to put to put it mildly. And I think though, what's what's interesting to me is you know there are lots of people who have tried to say to Trump, "Don't bring up immigration," you know, "Don't bring up these issues." But the, first of all, you know, I think you should you know dance with the issues that brought you to the party, right? Um, and immigration just keeps coming up over and over and over again, whether we like it or not. I mean, um, you know, in the Judge Curiel case, you know, we we broke it, got news very conclusively that. Uh, that uh, that Judge Curiel's parents were not, as the New York Times reported, citizens, but were illegal immigrants who never, you know, who never voted, who never registered to vote. Although apparently that's not a barrier anymore, um, as we found out in Washington State with the guy who shot shot up that mall. Apparently, he had voted in three elections despite never being a citizen, which, by the way, is much easier to do in states like Washington and Colorado that have vote by mail. Um, you know, just a word to you, future reformers out there, but. Um, no, we, I invite people to you know email me at editor at Got News. They can join my research team. We're going to continue to vet these people. And if the media won't do it, I guess the the citizens themselves will have to become the the media. And to a certain extent, I'm very encouraged to see, you know, to see people, you know, like Ann Coulter's been tweeting out our stuff. I've been very encouraged to see kind of high profile people tweet out our stuff. Um, various sites that previously never would link to us have been crediting us and linking to us. 
Um, so it's, you know, we are seeing some traction where we're forcing the media to cover certain things and to pursue certain leads. And so I think that that's encouraging, but it's, um, it's very, it's very, very disconcerting to see the speed with which, um, the media essentially acts as like this proxy of the democratic party. And I can't tell if they're just stupid or malevolent or like malevolently stupid or stupidly malevolent. It's really like an unclear question to me because you know, like the Lester Holt situation, you know, all mm. these moderators are are now, you know, we have them all on record being hostile to Trump. And yet Trump's people just go along with it. And it's very weird to me. It's like, you know, what do you think? You're just going to stand up there and charm them or something? It's just not how it works. Well, and this identity politics, which has been part of the left for so long, and which white people in general have eschewed as in sort of like, let's hug it out, multiculturalism, rainbow and stuff. But if there's a response within the Hispanic community, and it's not fair, I get to generalize, but let's just do it for a moment. If in the Hispanic community, this Alicia woman is sort of embraced, she's one of us and so on, then it becomes very clear to everyone that the Hispanic community has an in-group preference that is so solid that it can overlook the kinds of uh, messes that this woman has gotten into over time. In other words, well, because she's Hispanic, well, because she's Venezuelan, but she's, she's one of us or whatever, the Democrats have certainly done it. If the Hispanic community as a whole does it, then that's important for people to recognize. It's certainly important for white people to recognize. You know, this is one of the things that I think is a kind of theme uh, in this election, which is uh, our white people are going to start having in-group preferences finally and recognize that if everyone else does and white people don't, you're going to lose. You're just going to lose. And so I think that's another way that people can view this that I think will be of some value. Right. And I think it's, I think it's also worth stressing here that, you know, we don't, this doesn't get much coverage in our media, which is very insistent on amnesty and mass importation of the third world, predominantly south of our border. But, um, you know, there are lots and lots of dead people in our society now because of the drug war and because of not just because of, of, you know, of the war on drugs, you know, and the militarization, all that stuff, which we, you know, it's more a libertarian side of things, but just people like taking impure drugs and dying of them. Like the heroin problem is real in this country. Um, you see this in all these places that have been hollowed out by, you know, there are no jobs in a lot of places because NAFTA has been transferring, you know, transferring those jobs overseas. And so they get high on cheap Mexican heroin or Guatemalan heroin and the job at the McDonald's that they want to do, you know, that they don't really want to do but have to do is being taken over by illegal immigrants. And so the, this problem of electing a new people um, is something that our elites are very conscious of. And they, the, the cynical way with which um, the Clinton campaign has dealt with Alicia Muchado um, – and it's really it's really difficult to tell if they were just so incompetent with all those million hundreds of millions of dollars that they just didn't vet her, which I don't really believe, um, or if they're just so cynical to think that it doesn't matter that we're sort of like post truth in a way, and that to me is actually like the scariest part of it. Because well, what they're saying, this is the insane moral relativism, or I would argue moral reversal, that given what she's been accused of in the past, that the only real problem in this whole situation is the allegation of a woman with this kind of past that Donald Trump called her fat. Even though there were liberal media who was out there calling her the expanding Miss Universe and, you know, people were making fun of her right. for gaining weight uh, who were in the liberal side. It's all nonsense. But it's just there's a fat button that we're going to push. It doesn't matter what else is going on. If that's the level to which politics has descended, uh, then there's really no hope for any kind of rational discourse in the country. And as far as your point, let me just sort of make this last point, get, yes. get your thoughts on it. 
I think that the media, the mainstream media, the, the leftist elements in the mainstream media, which is most of it, are acting perfectly rationally, in my opinion. I don't think they're crazy. I don't. I think that, you know, we understand they're destroying their value. I mean, there are newspapers that just came out in favor of Hillary Clinton are seeing their subscriber base uh, diminish enormously. But to me, the, it makes perfect sense because if Trump gets in, let's just sort of play this out very briefly. If Trump gets in and he... Um, there's self-deportation of the tens of millions of uh, uh, illegal immigrants, right? Well, that's a, a huge either existing, if the mail-in votes are occurring, or potential voting block for the Democrats, right? So if he carves out a huge base of Democrats, uh, he's going to cripple the party for at least a generation, if not longer. If he brings jobs back, particularly to the inner cities, right? He does his trade deals, he does his tariff walls. Uh, and, you know, people are like, libertarians are like, oh, tariff, it's so terrible. It's like, no, that's how the country was founded in America. And also tariffs are better than welfare because they're imposed upon the movement of goods and uh, welfare basically causes the Im immobility of asses. So if, you, uh, if he brings jobs back to the inner cities, if he helps out the black community, if he uh, 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 controls illegal immigration, which is a huge drain on the tax dollar, on the resources, on the school, on the roads, on the hospitals, you name it. Then healthcare costs are going to go down, jobs are going to come back, uh, and the voting will actually have to be based on arguments in public rather than just stuffing the scale, putting a finger on the scale or stuffing the ballot with illegal immigrants. So if he gets his way, then I think the Democrat Party is going to have to completely reinvent itself. They are going to be crippled for a generation because they've got lazy, right? They've just been importing voters and programming people through the media. If they lose that, uh, I think that they are all in. The media is all in. Because if Trump wins, we, you, I, and the other people, we are the new media. If if Trump wins, we are the new media, and those guys are the dinosaurs, and uh, he's like the asteroid to complete this <laughs> analogy. Uh, so I think that they're acting no, perfectly that's rationally. Right. That's right. And, it, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like, the debate over, like, the Lincoln-Douglas debates over the question of, like, slavery in the new territories, because Douglas essentially said, yeah, there's no problem with importing lots of people. There's no problem with importing those people in here. And then we can just decide whether or not slavery is just or not. Uh, you know, 51% can decide over 49%. And, you know, Lincoln obviously had arguments against that, that there was some sort of larger, you know, truth that was important to maintain. And, of course, you know, there's lots of reasons to dislike Lincoln later in his conduct of the war. But basically, if you're importing a new class of voter – if you're importing new constituents, it does affect, it affects all kinds of things. It affects, um, you know, when I lived in LA uh, in 2007, 2008, and there was a financial crisis, there was a, um, the roads got clearer because all of the illegals went home and you could go everywhere you needed to go. There were fewer problems with the sewage, you know, the, something like, a, 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 there's something like a, a million plus illegal immigrants in LA County alone. And so that affects things like property values, it affects all, you know, it affects schools, it affects, you know, all kinds of things. In fact, it was a LAPD guy that I was working with at the time who said that, you know, there's this canard that libertarians say like, oh, American citizens consume more welfare benefits than do illegal immigrants. Well, what was happening is the illegal immigrants were registering their children for all of the benefits, their American-born children, trans taking those benefits, going to uh, brokers typically, and, and taking and liquidating those benefits and then sending the money home uh, through Western Union or through some other sort of thing. So there was a large sort of transfer of wealth. And you can see this like when you when you travel and I mean, I've, I've been to m most of Mexico. I've been to Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua. Um, you know, I've been around Latin America. And, 
if you um, you can see these homes that are built with the remittance money. And so what happens if all of these people start to assimilate in the United States? Well, it becomes a huge problem for these countries. In Mexico alone, it's it's drugs that's the largest source of money coming in. Then it's people. Then it's oil. You know, this is not a healthy situation. Trump wants to stop the drugs, and he wants to stop the people. And this is a, this is a problem for those societies. And so they're doing everything they can to push back against Trump. Yeah, and of course, the Mexican government and Carlos Slim, who's a fairly important stakeholder in the New York Times, the Mexican government, by pushing people or encouraging people or simply allowing people to go over the border, well, they end up with a lot of remittances coming in. So they get a lot of money coming in that they can tax. So they don't have to provide any services. So uh, I just want to close up with that. I just wanted to remind people, for, first of all, thanks, of course, for a great conversation. Yes. As always, please, 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 everyone, go to gotnews.com and uh, make sure you check it out regularly. The stuff, the stuff that comes out is very mind-expanding and, and courageous and amazing. Uh, Researcher.com, uh, do you want to give me the, the elevator pitch for Researcher so people know what it's all about? Well, sure. It's, we, we crowdfund the truth. So there are lots of investigations that require money to accomplish them, either to get people to come to things. So like we're doing one right now, Juanita Broderick and Kathy Shelton. And then we're also nearing the completion of a never-before-seen video of Obama uh, in Kenya that will that will blow your mind. I promise you'll 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 enjoy it. All right. Um, well, we we'll we'll put the links to all of that below. Thanks again for your time. I'm sure we can talk again soon. Have yourself a great day, everyone. This is Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Radio.